Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Prayer, as we open uh, the preaching part of this tonight, I just want you to close your eyes and pray this with me. I'm going to lead you. Jesus, do something new and fresh and alive in me. Tonight, in your name, Jesus, amen. Praise God. Now, after praying that prayer, you would think I'd be preaching a, a, a new thing, but I'm preaching <clears throat> what I've called uh, the posit of grace. And it comes, you'll see why I'm calling it that in just a moment, but in Acts chapter uh 20 and verse 32, Paul is writing and he says, so now, I like that word, don't you, now? Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Now, these words that Paul was speaking here were Uh, his last words to the elders of a church in a city called Ephesus. And he is saying these words, he's telling them goodbye. He knows he's never going to see them again. Now, this city, Ephesus, was one of the largest cities on the continent of Asia, excuse me, very well known, And Paul had stayed there uh, and preaching and building this church longer than any other place that he had spent in his ministry. And so they had had a real move of God. In Acts chapter 19, verse 10, it says that within two years, all of Asia heard the word of God because of what had been happening in Ephesus. That's, uh, that's really a revival, isn't it? <clears throat> but uh, now Paul is leaving. <clears throat> Excuse me again. And the, these are his last words that he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I think it's interesting. Last words are always interesting, aren't they? Final words, farewell words. I... Um, I uh, was thinking, you know, he could have said anything in his farewell speech here. He could have, uh, my, my grandmother, she, uh, we used to call her Gamama because uh, the first grandchild in our family tried to say grandmother and said, came out with Gamama, so she was always Gamama. <clears throat> Gamama <coughs> went on to be with the Lord, gosh, uh, dec- several decades ago, <clears throat> But she was just a perfect grandmother, and she lived in my hometown where my parents lived. She was my uh, dad's mom. And so uh, when I I would go to visit, and this is after I'd gotten saved and been pastoring, and I'd go visit, and, and when we'd leave, you know, my grandmother never did like to say goodbye. She, in fact, she would always say, don't say goodbye. It was something... You know, it was like a bad omen or something. She didn't like that. She didn't like saying goodbye. 
because goodbyes sounded too final. And so uh, what she would say, and this was kind of, I've always thought it was a little unusual, uh, she would tell me as uh, we, I would say, see you later or something. I don't know what I said to her because she didn't want me to say goodbye. And she'd look back at me, and her last words were, be good. That <laughs> uh, was kind of cute, but, uh, you know, Back when I was a teenager and before I got saved, she probably, pro- I probably would have needed to hear those words a lot more <clears throat> than, <coughs> excuse me, later. But uh, not that I didn't need those words, but I, pro- I needed them more as a teenager, you know, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> and Paul could have told this church in Ephesus, be good, see you later. Hasta la vista. But he commended them to God and to the word of his grace. And I like that word commend. The word commend means to place alongside, present, or deposit. You know the reason why we have banks is so we can make a deposit of what's valuable to us. Our money, right? Well, if we have, let me put it this way, if we have money that we want to protect, we would put them in a bank, deposit, because there has been a time where we trusted banks to protect the money that we put in them. Now, we're kind of wondering sometimes. But anyway, that's a different subject for hopefully never. But we make deposits of what's valuable to us. God has made a deposit into every one of our lives as his people, and that deposit is his grace. Everything that God does in our lives involves grace, and his grace is powerful. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33 It says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. In Acts 6 and verse 8, it says, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did wonders and miracles, miraculous signs among the people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then in Ephesians 3, verse 7, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. So these two words oftentimes go with each other, grace and power. And I think all of us want the power of God to operate in our lives, don't we? Now, God's power is linked to His grace. I was considering this and remembered a story that I heard some years ago about a church in western Tanzania, and this happened on a Easter morning 
as they were having church, this church had gathered together. They had to meet outside because there were so many people. They couldn't fit into their little village church there. And so they had about 800 people that had gathered outside. They're worshiping and they're praising God. But unbeknownst to them, a lioness had come in from the bush on the other side of the village and had been making its way through and had been killing. And so uh, normally uh, a lioness would will make a, a kill and then eat, but this was, uh, I think it was probably demon-possessed, uh, just crazy, and killed a couple of goats, then it killed a cow, and then it uh, killed a woman and her child, and it's making its way through this village. And so uh, it's coming closer and closer to this gathering of believers. Now, uh, the people in this village had called this church, the, these church people, the Mungu Mwema people, meaning God is good because that's what they always said. They always said God is good, God is good. And so now as these people in the village are, uh, there are people crying, they're screaming, and some are watching this lion make its way toward these people, and they're thinking and saying, now we'll see what these Mungu Mwana people do. And so this lion makes its way, and really they hadn't, they've been singing so loud, and you'd only have to be in an African church to know they can make a lot, a lot of noise. And so they had been singing and worshiping, making a lot of noise, and the lion stopped just feet from that congregation. Somebody saw it, and they all stopped. They were getting ready to run, but this pastor looked at that line and told the people, he said, folks, don't be afraid. He said, the God that delivered Daniel from the mouth of the lion is our God. The resurrected Christ is here. And this pastor pointed at that lion and he said, I curse you in Jesus' name. And there had not been rain there. There were just a few clouds up in the sky. But as he said that, a lightning bolt came out of one of those clouds, struck that lion dead on the spot. And not to miss the moment, this pastor went running and jumped up on top of that lion and began to preach his Easter message. <clears throat> Seventeen people got saved right off the bat. <laughs> and the local policeman who came and carried off the carcass afterwards to the police station said the, the God of these Mungu Mwana people really is a God of miracles. You know what that was? That was the grace of God. And that was the power of God. Grace and power are joined together. And so we need God's grace in our lives. We need God's power in our lives, don't we? Now I want to kind of explore with you a, a bigger definition of grace. Grace, uh, I've kind of always had a, a running definition in my mind going of what grace is, and it went like this, the undeserved, 
unearned, unlimited favor of God. And, and that is true. That's a, that's a good definition of what grace is. But while it's, it's good in what it says that grace is, it doesn't necessarily tell us what grace does. And if we're going to get the most out of grace, and we want that in our lives tonight, don't we? If we want to get the most out of grace, then we know, need to understand what grace does. And two words that help define what grace does in us are power and ability. Grace is God's power and ability in us. And somebody say, give me grace, Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter, John Poole is calling me right now, but I said no, because I'm busy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now, Paul was pretty awesome in his life, wasn't he? He was, uh, uh, no doubt, one of the, if not the greatest apostle to ever live. He wrote a, a good part of the New Testament that we read and depend on. He planted churches all over the known world. But in this one verse, he gives us his secret. And three times he says, it was grace. Say grace. In 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as from being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Grace is God's deposit in our life to make us sufficient. And tonight we need to lean on, rely on, and depend on God's grace. His grace is His power and ability. Anything that God calls us to do in our lives is bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9, Paul's writing Timothy and says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before time began. Grace is God's power and ability in us, making us, helping us to do what we could never do on our own before. This is really important for us to understand. And, and when I think along these lines, I think about just what I'm doing right now, preaching. Now, most of you have heard me talk about my childhood when I was a kid in school. I didn't like standing in front of people. I hated standing in front of people. I'd take failing grades rather than give an oral book report in front of the class. And then after I got saved, God started dealing with me about being a preacher. 
And I thought, well, I really did. I thought, you know, God, don't you like me? You know, but I, I learned that he did like me and he did love me and that he could help me. And so, you know, he did, and, and did begin to give me that grace that I needed. And I have now, I've, I've been, uh, by the grace of God, I have preached, preached in some 20 nations in the world of crowds up to thousands of people, and the ability to pull that off is not just that I kind of grew into it, but I can tell you there's one word, and that word is grace. God's grace. And I'm happy for it, aren't you? Grace is God's power and ability in us. His power and ability are available to every area of our lives. I want you to tell yourself every area. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, As each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this word manifold is, is really uh, uh, important because it means varied or literally various kinds of grace. And we in our lives, every one of us, need all different kinds of grace, don't we? We, we need the grace to be able to live for God, don't we? We need the grace to be able to be good parents. Oh, we need great grace to be good parents. Somebody say, help me, Lord. We need grace to be a good husband or good wife, whichever the case may be. Isn't that right? I, Thank you. We need grace to be able to do our jobs that we work for for our living in here in the world. Whatever we do and our work in the world, we need His grace. Whatever work we do for God, we need His grace. Anything and and everything that we do in our lives after becoming Christians, we need His power and ability to get the job done. And that's what I'm telling you tonight is that grace is God's power and ability that works in us to get the job done. Now, I want to focus on an area uh, for just a little bit, and then we're going to pray. I want you to give me a little time. Say, you got a little time? Thank you. Grace is the power and ability to live a godly life. It is the only way we can live a godly life. And and Romans 5, 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Now, just as grace and power go together, they are inseparably linked, grace and power. Just so are grace and righteousness inseparably linked. 
Because we are not going to pull off righteousness without grace. It's just not going to happen. And we, anybody who's lived for God for a week understands that. Isn't that true? Say, help me, Jesus. I came across this definition of righteousness in my devotions, and I like what it says. It is, says that righteousness is a state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. Now, I like that because it says the right righteousness is the way we ought to be. And it's the way we are meant to be. It's where we are acceptable to God. And then Romans 5.17 tells us how we become righteous. It's because of the gift that we receive through an abundance of grace. Now, how many know it takes a whole lot of grace to make us righteous? Now, tell yourself, He's talking about you. Takes a lot of grace. That's why he uses the term abundance of grace, a whole lot of grace to make us righteous. The only basis for righteousness is through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. We are not righteous because we're being, like, my, like Gamma used to say, we're not righteous because, be good. We're not righteous because we're just being good. Righteousness really isn't uh, about doing as much as it is about being. There are a lot of people who think righteousness is all about what we don't do. Well, I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't chew, and I don't go with those who do. Well, you know, there are a lot of people who don't drink, don't smoke, or chew tobacco, who are anything but righteous. Have you ever run into some of those? Righteousness isn't so much about doing as it is about being. 1 Corinthians 1.30 again says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us righteousness. See, a lot of people make the mistake uh, uh, that righteousness uh, uh, is just following the rules. And I want to say it again. I've said it twice already. I'm saying it a third time so that we can get it. it. Righteousness isn't so much about doing as it is about being. Now, hold with me because I'm going to talk about how to do in just a little bit. But it's more about being. The Old Testament law was important because it laid out rules and taught us something about ourselves. And you know what that was? We couldn't follow the rules. The whole point of the law 
was to prove that we couldn't pull it off on our own and to tell us that we were guilty. Romans 3, 19 and 20 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin." This tells us why God gave the law, the Old Testament. The whole purpose of the Old Testament, the law was given to shut us up. Amen. To, to, if we just, if just the Ten Commandments, we look at those Ten Commandments, and because and, people always say, well, I'm basically a good person, better than that guy, and a lot better than that guy. And we always are, you know, kind of have our own... Uh, uh, idea of what being a good person is, but the law shuts us up. We begin to realize that we can't do it on our own, and it shows us that we are sinners and something more, that we need a Savior. In John 1, 16 and 17, it says of Jesus, of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but listen, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, I like, I was just in the prayer but tonight before I came into this service and was thinking about this portion of Scripture, how it talks about Jesus coming and grace and truth came. You know, uh, grace is listed first there, and I think it's no accident. I think God's Word is written the way it was meant to be written, don't you? And I think that word grace is written before truth because we can never pull off truth or live in truth before grace comes. And so grace comes so that we can hear the truth and the truth sets us free because grace comes into our lives and gives us the ability to be able to work out and live in the truth that God gives us. The law was good in what it was meant to do, and that was to show us that we couldn't do it. We can't follow the rules. But it couldn't do what we needed it to do, and that was it couldn't give us the power to live a godly life. In Romans 8, and verse 2 and 3, it says, But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Say, God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. We need to know why grace is so important for us to get. It's not just to get us saved. We do need grace to get us saved. How many of you know you've got to have a whole lot of grace to get saved? It's grace. It's uh, by grace through faith that we get saved. But we need grace more than just to get us in the door. We need grace to help us walk the walk. Got to have grace. We need grace to live, don't we? It's why Paul wrote, you know, in every letter that Paul writes, he begins it by saying 
something like he did in Romans 1, verse 7, grace to you. He starts out his letter with grace, and if you look in every letter, he ends it with grace. Everything he writes in his letters in, in the New Testament are bracketed by grace. You know why? Because we've got to have grace to be able to pull off living what the Word of God tells us to live. And so he says, grace to you, and I want you to tell yourself or somebody, grace to you. What the law couldn't do, God did by sending his son, and Jesus came, and with Jesus came grace. And so we can live for God if we understand the power of grace. God understand the power of grace to be able to live for God. See, and believers all over the world are so mixed up and confused about this issue. There are there is one camp of believers that they're like this. You need you gotta tell people what they can and can't do and preach to those miserable sinning Christians all the time. Get them. Make it hot, brother, make it hot. Warn them. Hit them. Hit them again. Hit them again. And so there's one camp that they it's all about they got to don't do do this don't do that and and you know instruction in righteousness is important but I'm telling you what the old testament proved to us that just knowing what to do and what not to do isn't going to help us in fact, you, you, just by knowing what to do doesn't make us right. It really does just make us wrong because we can't pull it off without grace. And so then there's the other side that says, well, if it's all about grace, then it doesn't matter what I do. I can just do whatever and live however I want to live and do what feels good at the moment and just... Woo! You know, because grace. And listen, both of these extremes are wrong. Just knowing the rules won't help us. We got to have grace to do it. And if we have gotten saved and have grace working in our life, it doesn't mean that we can just do whatever and live however, right? That's what Paul said. He says in Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's asking a question. And then he answered it, didn't he? With an ex- You see that ex- exclamation point? <laughs> certainly not. Now tell yourself, certainly not. And then he goes on and he says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so we don't just get to sin and go on because we are under grace. Paul is saying you've got it all wrong. You don't continue in sin because of grace, but grace is the power to give you the ability to live like you never could live before. And this is why I'm still a Christian. (laughs) This is why I'm still living for God. You know why? Because of grace. 
when I was in high school and being an idiot, I had a friend that got saved, and he was living for God, and, and uh, he told me about Jesus, but I thought, I think I even told him, I said, that's good for you, but I said, I can never see me living like that, because he had been, literally, he had been like eating acid one day, and he was set free. He got saved one night, and the next day he's at school, and he's telling everybody about Jesus. And I thought, well, that's, that's good for you, but I, I, don't, I don't see it, because I couldn't see myself living a life for God. It just didn't compute. I didn't understand it. You know why? Because I hadn't gotten saved yet. I was trying to project myself living for God before I had Jesus living in my heart. You know what I mean? Uh, my dad found an empty beer can in his car one, one night after I'd gotten back from being with some friends of mine. I don't know how that beer can, well, I, no, that's not true. <laughs> I told him I didn't know how that could be because I was I didn't tell him this, but I was really careful about inspecting the car, you know, and when I got home and somehow or another, so my dad told me I found an empty beer can in the trunk of my car, and, and he said so, and I, I looked at him, I was stunned because I couldn't believe one of my idiot friends had left an empty beer can in the trunk, and so me being the smart guy that I am, I said, well, what brand was it? And he said it was country club, malt liquor. That's why it was the shorts. We, I used to get those because you didn't have to drink as much. It had more bang for less. And when he said that, then I was just dumbfounded. I, you know, I go, oh, well, man, I don't know. And my dad said, all right, you're grounded. You can never use the car again unless you promise me you'll, you won't drink. And then I was trying to be, you know, the way I was super, uh, you know, like honest by saying, well, okay, well, I can't do that. And so I went back to my room and I thought about it for a day or so. And I thought, well, man, I'm, <laughs> I'll just be stuck in this bedroom for the rest of my life. I <clears throat> so I promised my dad, and that was something big. I didn't like breaking my word to my dad. So I promised my dad, I said, okay, I, I promise I won't, I won't drink and drive again. And then the next weekend, we were out partying. But I will say I kept kind of half. I didn't, I had my friend drive. See, I did not think that it was possible. And this is a sad state of affairs, but it was the truth at that time. I didn't think that I could live without either Drinking, getting drunk, or getting high. Just didn't think it was possible. But you know what happened? About a year and a half later, I got saved. And, and when I got saved, grace began to move in my life. And do you know that within that first week after getting saved, that uh, uh, drinking and, and getting high wasn't a problem again because grace began to move in my life. Now, we're going to pray in just a moment, but I, I say I, a lot of things cleaned up within that first week or so. 
But there are other things that God had to deal with in my heart and life over the process of time. And you know what? Truthfully, he's still working some things out in my life. Now, I know that's shocking to every one of you, but I still need the grace of God. I need the grace of God to be friendly. I need the grace of God not to be bitter. I need the grace of God not to be angry. I need the grace of God that working in my life uh, to be the kind of person God wants me to be, and so do all of us. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Great grace is available to each and every one of us. And we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes right now. Praise God. If you do that, heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around for a moment. Praise God. The grace of God is powerful. Grace comes with power. And the only way for us to get saved is by grace. And tonight, if you've never given your life to Christ or if you're listening to this online, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or you've been away from him and you're not where you should be with God, nobody looking around for a moment, if you'd say, I, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, I need his grace for salvation right now and forgiveness. Will you slip your hand up where I could see it and know to just include you in this prayer before we close out. God bless you. Praise God. Anybody else? Those that are, God bless you. You can put your hand down. Amen. Honest hearts. Praise God. If you're, if you're listening to this online, we're going to pray a prayer. And I'd like for us all to stand, could we? We're going to pray, and this is going to be our, our closing prayer. But in this, we're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness, but also for God's grace. And there are those here that are wrestling in areas of your life, and you're frustrated by it. It, it bothers you, you know. And some of you, it may have been something that's going on for a long time. You need the power of God's grace to touch your life afresh tonight. You may have at one time or another even said, you know what, I'm done with this. And it may be something like uh, uh, getting drunk or getting high or substance abuse or, or it may be a sexual sin that you uh, have wrestled with and struggled with or, or it may be something like bitterness and anger that just seems to drive you and you wonder. How, and, and the shame of of those things you're dealing with in your life are just kind of resting on you tonight. And you know what? Jesus shed his blood to release us from that shame. God's word says my people should never be ashamed. You know why? Because grace comes. And that grace is ability. It's not an excuse to do whatever we want. It is the power and ability of God to be able to live the life that God calls us to live. And I'm telling you, everybody here, we can have that grace that overcomes. <clears throat> Say power. power. Let's pray tonight. Would you just repeat this with me? Lord Jesus, <clears throat> thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven. I ask you tonight for your forgiveness over every area of my life. I'm sorry for my sin. 
and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your power, the power of grace to overcome any addiction, to overcome my shame, my anger, my bitterness. I am free by the power of your grace, and I thank you for it. I receive grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give the Lord a big clap and thank Him? <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Now, I just want you to shout out, great grace. Great grace. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Be friendly with somebody. Husbands and wives, you have the power to be good husbands and wives. Parents, you have the power to be good parents and Christian, you have the power to be a good Christian. God bless you. Grace. Great. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.